Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's 7th Avenue Project. I'm Robert Polly, and today I'm going to finish something that I started a little while back, a two-part series that I'm calling Down and Out in Dog Patch. You can hear part one, by the way, on our website, 7thAvenueProject.com, or on iTunes. And the uh, title refers to the Dog Patch neighborhood in San Francisco, where I paid a visit recently with the sociologist Teresa Gowan. Teresa spent some years in the late 90s and early 2000s getting to know a community of homeless recyclers in Dogpatch. She wrote about it in her book, Hobos, Hustlers, and Backsliders, Homeless in San Francisco. Teresa has some really interesting things to say about subjects like poverty, homelessness, and work, and those are some of the things we talked about in part one of the series. One thing we did not do in that first segment is to actually meet any homeless people in Dogpatch. And that's because what was once a kind of refuge for hundreds of homeless in San Francisco, this neglected industrial zone by the bay, has been going upscale in recent years. And there have been a lot of efforts by the city to clear the streets, successful efforts. There have been restrictive parking laws that make it hard to sleep in your car and police crackdowns on homeless camps. People have been told to move on, or they've been sent to jail, or they've been relocated to shelters and transitional housing. And a lot of this uh, is a result of policies that were begun under former San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom, who's now Lieutenant Governor of California. And yet, despite all those steps, some homeless have managed to hang on in Dogpatch, in some hidden-away places. And eventually, Teresa and I managed to find one of those places, which is where we're going to pick up with today's segment. Here we are looking for homeless encampments, and I'm seeing someone with a manicured poodle coming our way. Yeah, exactly. Things have go. really changed. We get manicured pu- poodle, but up there you'll still see that there's like a big old camp up under this freeway here. Let's check it so, out. Yeah. How yeah. do you get to it? And, you know, here's They've the tried place. to fence it off. Oh, I see. There's a break um, in the fence. There's a way in there. So you you want to go in? But Yeah. yeah. Let's go in. Let's, let's see. So we're under... Uh, 280. 280? Wow, all these times I've been over 280, I've never been under 280 like this. Yeah, and as I was saying to you before, I mean, the freeways do become one of, one of the last places where people can live, but, you know, even um, even around 280, the Caltrans workers, when, when I was doing my research, uh, were very, very vigorous in um, breaking up these encampments, and they would, they would come and slash people's tents, um, and destroy them with with exacto knives, you know. And the, these folks would, you know, they would spend very very hard earned money on the tents and come back and have them destroyed. It was just awful. So so here under the freeway, we're just seeing a lot of stuff, a lot of junk, yep. and one tent, one tent, one tent, and a bunch of recycling bins. Um, um, yeah, it looks a bit it looks a bit deserted, doesn't it? Yeah. Can we go under here and see if there's anything? Sure. Hi there. Hi. Hey, sorry to invade. We were just looking for folks to talk to about this town. Would you be up for chatting to us for a minute? Yeah, sure. Cool. Thank you. I'll let you get off the ladder. <laughs> wow, does that go up into the... There's, there's a ladder here that goes up into, like, the bottom of the freeway. Yeah. What's up there? I don't know, it's just like a space, like, it's probably like four foot high. Uh-huh. Can, can you sleep up there? Yeah. Is it safe? Yeah, it's real safe. Do you have to wear earplugs? 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, you get used to it after a while. It's like just background noise. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow, this is amazing. There's a ladder that goes right up into the bottom of the overpass here, and there's space right in the the freeway, the concrete itself. Yeah, there's probably under about, the cars. There's probably about twenty of them. Really? So, how many people live here? You think? Um, probably about ten that I know right. of. Yeah. Do the do the Caltrans workers come and try to get you guys out of here? Or? Uh, the cops come here like once a week. And what do you do? They usually like shine their like stun gun lasers like up in the hole and shine their light up in the hole and they don't even come up in the hole though. They're too scared to. So like, if you're in the hole, then you don't want to come out. You just want to be quiet. But, uh, so you just kind of keep still and wait for them to go yeah. away? Yeah. And uh, otherwise they just tell you to leave. How, how long have you been living here? Um, probably about like three weeks. Only three weeks? Yeah. Um, I'm Robert, by the way. This is Teresa. Oh, nice to meet you. My name is Maya. Hey, Maya. Maya, nice to meet you. Thanks for chatting with us. Yeah. Cool. Um, where were you before you, you got, came here? Uh, I was living in a hotel room. What got you out of there? I broke up with somebody I was in a relationship with. Hold on, let me let me get see if I own wants to talk to you. That's amazing. I didn't I know, know these spaces existed. Um, uh, so so go ahead, Teresa, mm -hmm. and tell me what you're mm -hmm. seeing here. There's a a white column here that folks are using as a as a message board or like place to put ideas, you know, and. This, this is something I saw a lot of, and in some ways it is like the modern equivalent of the old hobo signs that people used to paint on, on the walls mm -hmm. to sort of say what was going on around the place. Mm -hmm. let's, so, let's read a couple of these. We've got a happy Valentine's Day message. JT, I'm sorry for my lack of appreciation on your behalf, for you are the only one who has my back unconditionally out here. My greatest apology and my utmost respect to you. With all my love, always. JT's girl. Hey. Hi, I'm Robert. Hi, Robert. I'm Iona. Iona. Hi, Barger. Iona. Yeah, hi. Teresa. So, Iona, you wrote this uh, Valentine's message. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> did, did it get, uh, was it read by the person it was intended to be read by? I'm sure, and everybody else, too. Yeah. <laughs> kind of public. <laughs> did you guys know each other um, before you got here three weeks ago? Uh, no, no. Oh, did you know anybody here? Uh, yeah, I knew a couple people that lived here, that live here right now. So do you feel like you, you're pretty well looking out for each other, the ten of you here? Like, yeah, yeah. We do, we do look out for each other, all of us, all over the city. Yeah, yeah. right. We do. Yeah. You guys being women, I mean, is that like... It's I mean, hard. Yeah. 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 You have to earn your respect level up. Yeah. you got to learn. One way or another, you got to stick to your guns, you know, be who you are. I mean, you finally get accepted, but it takes a lot. Teresa um, was here a lot in, in Dogpatch um, some years ago when there were a lot of recyclers and there were camps down by the water and stuff, and it's all gone now. We don't see anything there. Yeah, that's because the mayor put out a, a no homeless in the city, so they've been, uh, like, repoing the cars, taking uh, DPW come up and just take our stuff, and, and they're supposed to hold it for 30 days. It's a law, and they don't. They don't do, follow any laws. We have no. Uh, we have so no. Just goes in the direct trash. Right? Yeah. Direct trash and. Uh, have you lost fans? I've lost. I've lost. We've lost uh, laptops. Mm. We've lost uh, uh, phones. 
tons of phones. I mean, they just come in and they take. And then they'll be going through all the stuff. Yeah. Tools, tools. They love our tools themselves for too. themselves. And I've watched them yeah. do it. You, you know? mean the police or the the DPW? The DPW. Oh, what's yeah. the Department of Public? Caltrans yeah. is very respectful. They're very, uh, they're very nice really? and well, very good. respectful. But DPW you know, is the one that was out of hand. Oh really? Yeah, they were. The cops did that. They were. Do, I didn't they see were them. doing it on a weekly, sometimes like twice a week. That's sad. Uh, routine, yeah. So I'm glad they're not doing that. Anymore. Yeah, no, they're very respectful. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, you guys have only one tent down here, but do you mostly sleep up in these spaces up here? Right. Up in the, the freeway. Is it? Would it be possible to look in there just sure, to see what's up there? Is, is there enough light, or can right, I? Uh, yeah, go ahead. You might need some more light. Yeah. I got a little flashlight. Oh, cool. Thank you. You guys ride bikes around here? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going up into this space that's built into the freeway, and it's a tunnel. Let's get up here. So I've crawled up into the bottom of the freeway from below up a ladder. I've never been inside a freeway before. You can hear this weird noise of cars. just a it's a real home in here there's decorations signs knickknacks photographs all over the ceiling of this small space it's about three feet high and there's a little couch and there's even a plant there's a fern and it's alive amazing because there's no light in here there's no windows it's completely dark and yeah it's a living space I like it. I can't believe you, you keep plant alive in there. It's not a live plant. Oh, it isn't? I, I thought it was. <laughs> I like the monkeys, too. Cool. Yeah. You saw them. So, Iona, how long have you been here in this spot? In this spot, I've been here for probably eight months. Eight months. Eight months. Um, is, is it be a lot better than where you were before? Is it improvement? Um, well, I have a lot of different spots. Oh, okay. Just in case. But this is my, my one that I... I like, yeah, this is the best right here. What do you guys call this? Do you have a name for it? Tunnels. Tunnels, the tunnels and then there's a, a pipeline that's like this, but we call it the pipeline. Are there tunnels like this all through this freeway? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, in every freeway you see. Amazing. I never knew that. And the, it's actually kind of, it's surprisingly quiet in there. The cars just make this weird yeah, little yeah. It sounds like, like war sometimes. Yeah. It's more it sounds like, like war. the vibrations, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of like relaxing. Like yeah, yeah. After yeah. you get used to it, you know, it's kind of like a relaxing. I, I don't really hear it anymore. Yeah, actually, unless I'm just sitting just there. Back just, noise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's getting on my nerves. I gotta go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you guys how you get by? Do, do you recycle? Do you do, what do you do? I, I'm a scrapper, so I recycle. Yeah. Um. Well, right now, um, I have SSI and I get my check. I survive off of that. And every once in a while, I'll go uh, do uh, sex work for money if I have to, you know. But um, I haven't done any of that since I've been with the guy that I've been with. <laughs> Is that something you, you do as a last resort? or? Well, yeah, it would definitely be a last resort now. But um, I used to do that just, that's how I made my my hustle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think you might take up scrapping with 
I was scrapping just too too much, too dirty. And too <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, I, I look like a girl today, but usually I have a boy yeah, looking yeah, up. That's the classic thing. Yeah. I, I did a lot of, of, of this stuff with this with the scrappers when I was out here yeah. before, and uh, most women just didn't want to do it. You know, like they would just be like, "No, it's dirty. It's too dirty." I love it. Yeah, like yeah. Myself, it takes a special woman. <laughs> it does. But uh, yeah, you so have to what, earn your you have to earn your stats there too. But yeah. So what do you what do you collect mostly? Uh, metals. Uh, the wire, copper, yeah, yeah things so like go, that. You're going into abandoned yeah. buildings and getting yeah. it. Is it yeah. easier or harder these days? Than... Um, well, it used to be really hard when I first started. Now it just <laughs> seems real pretty easy. It does it? You know, yeah. You get enough to eat. Yeah, I get enough to. You don't get enough to like rent an apartment at this point. No, not at this point. Do you have any? No. Do you have any um, hopes or plans in that direction? Sure. What, what's your? What's your? Well, uh, I, I went to uh, the hot team and I, I tried some of this homeless stuff, you know, and and it's such a joke because they tell you, uh, oh sure, but you got to go down and sign up on welfare. I know. And you get down there on welfare and and then they want to send you to this triage and. You know, they do all this crap, and, and you're just ran and ran. And I have a bad time of keeping appointments because time, yeah. you don't know time out here. No. And yeah. for them to be compatible to our needs as being out here, they're not. And so they're not the ones that are left because yeah. that that's what the problem is, is we don't do time. You know, you got to come and get us for our appointments. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to, hey, you know, show, show us the love and concern because otherwise we're just going to go and do our thing, you know, because we've learned how to survive. Do, do caseworkers come out here uh, at all? I haven't seen one in a long time. I was trying to tell, but the police had left us alone when I told them that these guys are the last that are left, and they've been out here 20, 30 years. Okay? I mean, they've been out here almost all their lives, so that's why they keep coming back. They're just going to crawl back up in their hole, you know, yeah. and, and uh, these, these guys really need something. You know, I, I'm sure it could be done, but they're going to really need someone to come in and just spend some time with them. It, otherwise, they can't do it on the inside. They, they just, run, you know, it's, to them it's a, it's not free. It's just a cage down or something, you know. When you're saying these guys, do you mean the other folks you're, you're living with yeah, here? Yeah, some of the folks here. A couple of them are gone, but like, uh, you know, my our friend over there, and I can't say any names, but, mm -hmm. but there's really nothing wrong with these guys. But they just the way that they choose to live. They, they call it freedom, but I don't see any freedom yeah, to this. Hell no. I see entrapment. I just see there's no freedom in anybody's living these days, I don't believe. It's just all. They, they, they push you one way. Like the homeless, they keep in lines all day. You know, if you watch, they're all in these lines. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're still maybe being herded like mean, cattle. Maybe that's what they mean by freedom is like in relation to the lines, you know. Yeah. It's not so much. It's, it's sad. It's, it's just... How long have you choices, been out right? on the streets, Iona? I've been out here like four or five years. Okay. Have, have you seen much change uh, as a result of what the city's been I've doing? I've seen a lot of people go inside. A lot, a lot. You know, yeah, they take a I know. Lot Especially of the last the couple of these, years. These streets used to be full of, of tents and, and Winnebago's and, and, I mean, just full. Yeah, All, we're we're, we're you, hardly finding anybody out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, they've got... What, they, they've done the whole, like, I think it's the the hot team too the, when they first started they would just like uh, rent people rooms for free what, like, what's hot stand for do you know like uh, homeless know. outreach team yeah, yeah yeah okay so this is a program that started under Newsom yeah uh, yeah yeah uh, and and they're actually finding places to live for people to live you say a lot of people they are was, going yeah 
There was. Subsidized housing, they mm -hmm. were, but mm -hmm. they're not so much anymore. And you haven't, did you choose not to go with it or did you have that option? I, I went there, I went to the option, but when they wanted me to go to these appointments, that's what, that's uh, I, okay. I got lost. <laughs> you, yeah, you know, you, like, and, and, them, and every week they, said they, would they help, check they up on your, your hotel room mm -hmm. and you got to keep it clean. You can't have like, you can't and have, the you can't line. have like, you, know, you nope. can't like pile bags and stuff. They, they make it kind of like, like real strict, like. And you can't have visitors. Yeah, then, no visitors. Then they're charged five dollars for visitors, like and, and stuff like this. And it's all against the law. Everything's against the law. I can't do. I can't go for that. Mm. Um, so where'd you guys grow up? I grew you up in Bakersfield, California. Oh my God, that's where I'm from. Are you real? Yeah. I love. What's up? That's how trailer trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind oh, of uh, Oildale. Oildale white trash. Yeah. Go drillers. Yeah, drillers. Drillers. No. Yeah. <laughs> We're Taft rivals. Taft and father are rivals. <laughs> I was a driller you guys too. Didn't know you're from the same town. No. no. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I never talked about that, huh? No. <laughs> Not really. We don't talk much about yeah. you know, any of our past, really. Yeah. Oh, really? We how just come? live daily. You know, we really don't even pay attention to them out there. We're just in our own little world because it's uh, it's not nice, <laughs> you know. And a lot of these people can see the real of, you know, what is. You mean hard pass? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. How old are you, Maya? 25. 48. 48. Are you guys getting, you guys know each other pretty well now, you think? Um, we're getting to know yeah, each other. Yeah, we're getting to know each other. We found out they were both from Bakersfield. <laughs> Are you like the big sister, Iona? What is it? Uh, no, I'm just, I, I'm just Iona. Just Iona. <laughs> I'm, I'm and I'm just Maya. And this is just feisty. Oh, sweetie. Oh, it's a rat. Yeah. Not a wild rat. She's got to. No. She's so cute. <laughs> I used to have rats sort of like that. Did you? When I was a kid, yeah. Aww. She's the best. She's having fun up there. She's, She's really excited good. about you. She's even peeing on me. Oh, wow. Excitement. Did she? <laughs> yeah. Honored, Robert. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, hey there. Want to say something for the microphone? Uh, sniff, sniff, sniff. <laughs> Robert got peed on. He should feel honored. <laughs> I know. By a basin rat. China basin rat. <laughs> uh, Look at her. Squirt him again, girl. No, no, don't. No, 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 the head now. Not the head, not the head. You're not much. 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 you know? So Are you guys doing good? What station is it? Or? Uh, it's see, I live in Santa Cruz, so oh, okay. it's in Santa Cruz. It's okay. KUSP. KUSP. Yeah. She has. Oh, she's just sharp having claws. a good day today. Yeah, she is. She's real she's happy. She's loving it today. Too. <laughs> it's funny because I came up here once to uh, do an interview with a guy who'd written a book all about rats. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, wild oh, rats. Oh yeah. City was, rats. It, was it? Was it? The book called uh, Rats. The book was called Rats, right? It's called. Rats, and then it had a long subtitle, The History of yeah, the History Most Unwanted. Of most Unwanted Creatures you've read in it? New York City. Yeah, you read yeah, it? Yeah, I love that book. That's <laughs> one of my favorite books. Oh, you should hear the, <laughs> <laughs> you should hear the interview the I did with that guy. Right? Was yeah. it good? Oh, he's great, man. He is hilarious. He's funny. He's informative. We walked around the Tenderloin looking for rats, but it was daytime. 
and we couldn't find any. You know, he said, oh, you know, at night this would be just happening, you know. <laughs> There's some chicken scraps over here. we got to come back at night, you know. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Good girl, Wyatt. I think his name is... Uh, I, I, I say PP. Uh, Robert Howell. Or Robert Sullivan. Robert Sullivan, yeah. Yep. There you go. Yep. I know a lot of homeless people who take really good care of their pets. It's amazing. Well, they have the pet van, you know, yeah. and they get a $1,000 uh, per animal for uh, health care. It's the animal. Yeah. That is a great always, program. Uh, giving dog food away. It is a great program because SPCA is not <laughs> cheap. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rats are easy to take care of. Did you bring your rat with you when you, when you came? Uh, yeah. So you had him in the hotel? Yeah. Her. Her, sorry. Feisty. 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 Yeah. Well, well, thank you for uh, letting us, You're you welcome. Know. Who are you with, anyway? <laughs> so I'm a, I'm just like a freelance radio guy. I have oh, a cool. show. And Teresa wrote this book about her time. Uh, you could describe Girl. it. Girl! She oh, it's an incredible book. Yeah, I wish I had it with me. Oh, man. I'd want to read it. It's called, what's, tell, it's tell called, the name. It's about guys. It's called Hobos, Hustlers, and Backsliders. Uh-huh. And um, I did, yeah, I, I did a lot of um, hanging out here in Dogpatch, uh-huh. and so uh, especially with the, with the scrappers and recycling guys, you know, yeah. back when because you've been out here a long time, you know, back when there was uh, you know these big encampments of recyclers, yes. you remember this, uh-huh. right? And down Warmwater Cove was, was real competition was, back then. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was huge. A lot of the OGs are in you know prison and stuff. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. They made it illegal when it wasn't wasn't ever illegal before. When they started realizing they made money, yeah, they they don't even let you in the trash cans out. They have security guards on trash cans. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I said, like, get a cards, real job. You ain't get my trash can, like, buddy. Some, some <laughs> you gotta like make sure you, that there's no kind of like like name like Safeway. You gotta like take it off of there because then or any kind of serial yeah. numbers because then the, they'll get you with theft. Yeah. <laughs> And is it harder harder to do recycling then? Because people say you're stealing um, the recycling. Or no, something. no, not really. Because if you know your laws, then you're okay, and you can fight them back. But some that don't know their laws will will buckle. So, so what laws do you? What laws are the most important? My, you don't go trespassing. You do abandoned buildings, city buildings that have been abandoned and they haven't worked on for so long, and stuff. Because you got to really protect your own butt, you know. I own more of a scrapper than a recycler, right? So, but why don't I mean, you explain the difference? Well, um, <laughs> the recycling is they go around and they they get uh, cans and bottles and and they go through the trash cans and stuff like that. I'm a scrapper, which we go into abandoned buildings, and if the if the city's not hadn't taken care of them in two or three years, or you know, don't pay attention to them, then it makes it, it it's ours, the citizens. Actually, we are the people. We are for the people, so it is ours. You know, people you're, just don't realize getting- that. You're getting, like, copper mostly? Uh, copper, wire, you know, whatever there. Mm-hmm. Where do you sell it? Uh, we sell it at, uh, like, the Bay Area, uh, Sacosta, Sims, or there's bootleggers out there. If you if you go to a bootlegger uh, where you get half price and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's much different than... Um, than, than recycling. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, a, there's a reason there's why a you're out there scrapping mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and stuff. There's a meaning to it. So, yeah. And when I was here, the, there was a lot of meaning to the recycling stuff. I mean, it, it was a very huge scene, you know, like in the early... Even to the panhandlers, if you look mm-hmm. at them, you know, and they're out there panhandling. Have, did you ever try that? 
I tried it for 15 minutes, so it only lasted 15. But I went and bought mm. me a hamburger. <laughs> yeah, I get <laughs> I kept it real. But you didn't go I back. Did, no. <laughs> I did not. I thought, all oh, these poor. Oh, my God. It's the quickest these, way this to is destroy soul, up. This right? has got to be telling God how many people are really nice. But they, they are, when they hand you the money, they got so many demands upon that dollar or that 50 cents they give you. Go take a shower. Get a job. You know? Don't no, use this no for booze, drugs. No yeah. drugs. I'm just like, ah! <laughs> Too many rules. All for $1. <laughs> all, for, all for 50 cents? Yeah. Damn you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Did you you ever try panhandling, Maya? You ever do that? Oh, uh, yeah. I used, I used to be all I used to do was um, me and my ex pirate, we panhandled. Then you got the ones that go around and they find the put out. You know, the people that put the things out and they sell that stuff. Yeah. You know, and keep it rolling. You know, it's, it's amazing what they get. It's amazing. I said, You got what? Damn. <laughs> they go to the Goodwill and you still close or get clothes and, and like, you get tags off of, like, from Macy's and Nordstrom's and then, like, put the tags on there and then return them. And I, I guess people don't do that as much anymore, actually. But what's that called? Oh, I don't know. It's not boosting. But you're saying you can find stuff that's in really good shape? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And, and then, try like, to redeem it for money? Yeah. That's too much for me, too. Yeah, that's way too much. That's quite detailed, really. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you really got to know what you're doing. Yeah. I guess be a hustle, have a talk or something. Yeah. I don't really like to talk that much. I'm talking a lot, though. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you seem kind of like a bunch of the guys I knew. They When they first got on the street, they did a panhandling, and they really hated it or they were like stealing CDs or whatever and then they got into scrapping or recycling and they were just like oh this yeah, is this is much better you know you just work you know it's a job it, yeah, it really you, you have to go to work have, every and day you actually have dignity you know, yeah but you have to go to work every day you know you, and yeah. you don't have a boss but you have to get up and go labor and it's it, yeah and it's the hard labor yeah it is and you go by yourself or whatever you know if you have a teammate cool but most of the time, I'm by myself doing really? my own uh-huh. little thing, you know? Yeah. And then that's how it goes. Yeah. Maya, you just said you have to have dignity. Yeah, because, like, I I know with panhandling, I don't I don't feel like... I, I don't like it when, when people, like, ask me for money and, like... like for I'm in the same for, shoe you are? <laughs> yeah, especially when I'm in the same shoes that you're in, you know? And... Uh, I always thought it looked hard, panhandling. It is. Psychologically. It's a lot of patience. It's a, a lot of patience. That, that has to, to, have to look hardest. someone in the eye every five minutes or whatever. But I can imagine and being I, a man he, and doing that. And to have yeah, to I know. Where, where, where do well, their self-esteem right. and everything go? Oh, yeah. No wonder the, the they have... The that someone they used to know is going to see them just, like, horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Pat right down over the Hungry. face. Yeah. Yeah. me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know what gets to me too is when people ask me and they feel like they have to tell me a story, uh-huh. and I've given money to the same guy day in and day out, and he's told me the same story so, that can't be true today as it was, it was yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Like I, my car just ran out of gas. Uh, I just uh. I just got here from San Francisco. <laughs> I don't live in San Francisco, so I always feel like, oh, buddy, just just tell me you need money, man. That's yeah. all. You know, I, that's know, all you I, know. Tell I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Exactly. But still, be real. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. always saying be real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But people develop these lines so, yes, because they, they, they believe that the lie will get them. Yeah. It, yeah. That's what gets them well, whatever. Gets them. <laughs> I, I think they're generally right. I mean, you know, perhaps not if they're working the same corner over and over again. <laughs> but, you know, generally, I, I, my, my sense was that people would kind of 
they they would find out which lines were the most successful. I kind of like the one they would just do them where it says, uh, got yeah. some money, I need a beer. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. So, um, do you guys cook here? Uh, yeah. yeah. Where do, where do you cook? How do you cook? You cook um, like on a stove? I like on a stove. A camping stove? Camping you know? stove. And, um, so you haven't got electricity of any kind? No. Yeah. And we go like like a block, I go a block away and get water. Like, oh, I was wondering about that too. So where do you get water? Um, right, there's the corner. A, right around the corner there's like um, a, a water, water pump. Yeah, water pump. Not too many of those left. Yeah, <laughs> outdoor spigot. Yeah. Yeah, God. Man, you must have good survival skills. Is this Maya? Is this your first time out on the streets, or has it been no, out no, no? Yeah, I've been I've been out on the streets off and on since I was fifteen. Wow. Yeah. You left home at that age. Yeah, I I guess you call them. I left with group homes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's I it's I could. If, if I could have been with my my dad, then I wouldn't have left home. <laughs> I got but it. I was on I was on probation and I got in a lot of trouble too. Yeah. Drugs? Uh no, I I I got in trouble for uh, stealing my grandfather's truck. <laughs> I got another question for you guys. What what is your favorite thing though? What is the best thing right now for you? What is the th- what is the thing you enjoy most? What I enjoy most, I guess, uh, scrapping. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's my, I'm always doing, you know, that's what I do. I like it, I like finding new places, new things, you know. That's it's a exploring. real hard question. It's, it's, it's exciting, my kind of, yeah. my job is exciting, to me. I mean, some people it isn't, but, I mean, you get to go in these dark places, your adrenaline's yeah, going. Yeah, I like, I like. I really love the adrenaline rush, you know, and. It's it's better than any kind of high you can ever get. Do you, you know? go in mostly in daytime, not nighttime, or do you go? Um, I go day night. I work. Oh, really? Yeah, around. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because I do believe you go alone in all my. You... Like I told you, keep your doors yeah. open. I believe in all that. So. Do you go alone? Alone or mostly? Mostly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly alone. Wow, into these big abandoned buildings yeah. and stuff. Oh, they're cool. I bet they but are. But there are a lot of spirits in there too, you know. But yeah. you just you don't know how to handle them. Just because there's this one, I tell you. There's this one over here, that uh, police building on uh, 3rd. They must have done some pretty rank stuff in that building way back when because these spirits that come at you are, are mean and forceful. They're, yeah, and they'll drop things. I had and one like that. Did, did you like actually go in and out of my body. All over San Francisco. I did. I mean, I could I take you some cool ass buildings, too, with these spirits that are in there that are just cool and you can see them. I mean, and Maya, what's your favorite thing these days? Um, my favorite thing right now is making love with my own man. <laughs> Young love. Well, you guys, we should probably move on. But um, all right. And I know you didn't ask me for like anything, but I do have a little money in my pocket. Well, that's nice. Can you guys split this? Sure. Thank you. Oh wow. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, will you let me? You know, into your homes and everything, so I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, welcome. thanks a lot for being hospitable, Thanks for guys. being cool. We appreciate it. Stay safe. And don't bro. worry about it. We are safe. Yeah, yeah. it seems that. like a real nice I got, setup. I got her boyfriend living right next door to me. <laughs> yeah, he's safe. pretty, he's, he makes <laughs> sure that we're That's safe. Cool. <laughs> they, yeah, they do. They make, they do take care of us girls. That's good. Us ladies, anyway. All right. Love you, peace. 
So now you see I'm as bad an objective journalist as you are a sociologist. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and it's so nice to, for me to see this place where these women are feeling pretty safe because last time I was really around here, which was like in the early 2000s, there was a bunch of uh, meth addicts living in there who were kind of just just totally tweaked out and mean you know what that does to people you know and it, it was not a safe place for women at all so I mean I, of course got to worry about any women that are out on the streets sure. uh, and Maya's young and petite mm -hmm. so then she has done sex work you know mm -hmm. sounds kind of potentially dangerous I don't know what's your feeling about sex work as a way of getting by well I I hate it that girls have to do that. I totally hate it. And um, but there's no doubt that people get a bit inured to it, like every dirty job. You know, mm -hmm. some people can stand it, and it doesn't bother them too much until like something really horrible happens. So you know, it's it's just like the bar lowers, right? So you're sort of okay with it. And then the thing which really distresses you is some very extreme violence or you know degradation, right? It's, it always just amazes me what people can put up with, you know. <laughs> these these guys who would who would get into recycling, they would be so happy about it. They'd just be like beaming, be like, "Look at this great shit I found," you know. <laughs> um, so we really see a sign here: "Dog Patch Historic District." Yes, here we go. Yeah. We're, we're entering Weinbauer Land. So I'm glad we I'm glad we're coming back this way because wow. this is this is where I came down the other day. I was just completely blown away by this little strip here. It's so changed. So this is a good time to ask you, given that we have the seemingly inevitable encroachment of, uh, you know, what used to be called yuppies, right? Mm -hmm. Even on a formerly run-down district, um, about romanticism. I mean, there's this critique that you talk about in your book of liberal sociology as having, you know, taken on some romantic ideas about poverty and homelessness. And I'm thinking here of uh, Bohemians do the same mm -hmm. thing, of course, mm -hmm. you know, it's just why you put a, a cool wine bar down in Dogpatch, I right. suppose. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be cooler if it's here than if it's in the financial district, that's for sure. <laughs> or in, uh, you know, North Beach or I think some other so, place. although in some ways my sense is that um, the gentrification here isn't necessarily that kind of very, very consciously slumming gentrification. Uh -huh, uh -huh. There's real difference between um, going to places because you think there's edgy, cool, artistic stuff going on, or yeah. you know, and just like nice old housing stock and like a new area to pioneer. And I, I think this is more like the new area to pioneer because I bet you that a lot of people who move here just don't even have any idea of what they're displacing. Okay, okay. You know? Uh, but what about the idea that uh, you, you confront in your book of um, romanticism about poverty? Right. Uh, that it's there's something maybe noble or, I don't know, what, how would you put it? Because um, this is something a mm -hmm. member of the sociological profession <laughs> had issued this scathing critique, right? Yeah. And who was that? Um, Loïc Vacant. Um, you know, he's this uh, French sociologist who's very, made himself very famous with his theorizations of contemporary racism, poverty, the prison industrial complex and stuff. And, and he really felt that American ethnographers of poverty were just sort of doing all of this positive images stuff about, you know, 
um, these people are just like us, except you know, they're, except they're poor, and it, it was basically very inaccurate, very partial, and and not recognizing the violence that uh, being poor wreaks on people in terms of their their whole experience of life, you know. And uh, you know, I think I think that he had some truth on his side, but it's a bit of an overst- overstated critique, I, I, I think. Um, but you know, I, I did come across this these ideas really, really immediately in my own research because, like, you know, when, I, when I, the first piece I wrote, um, just, I called American Untouchables, was just a, a little article um, on the recycling scene. This other group of uh, researchers just totally dismissed as being positive images and not not getting into the real dirt I guess mm-hmm. and, and it was in this way it was a good experience for me because it made me just think very very carefully about what I was doing and and how to do it and I did think I do think that after that I made more more effort to try to try to see people's lives holistically as much as that they were willing to let me so what's know? that mean holistic? well you know, I mean, for example, I didn't ignore the fact that people were using heroin anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that would be one thing. I mean, and it certainly wasn't everybody, but there was there was like a sizable bunch of the guys that I worked with in the recycling scene who were who were really hardcore heroin addicts, and um, you know, they were recycling for heroin money, uh, and to some extent, they would agree that like the energy that they put into it was partly, you know, like I've got to get that. <laughs> I've got to get my dose, so I'm going to be really sick, you know. And so I, I, I didn't write about that at all um, when I was uh, first doing the research. I, mean, I didn't even write field notes about it. I, I, I would people would see their dealers, and I would leave, you know. And, I, and why was that? Well, it was because I, I was really trying to relate to them as recyclers, mm-hmm. and that was that was how I understood it. it. Was like I'm interested in this work. Why do I have to know every? Top thing about this person. I mean, it, you know, if this person was, um, you know, a bricklayer or a nurse or a computer software designer, I wouldn't be like, I can't understand software design without knowing about this person's coke habit or whatever. You exactly. Know? Yeah, it's very true. And there are plenty of people with drug problems who have homes. There are plenty of people committing crimes who have mm-hmm. places to live. Exactly. Uh, some of them very well off, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and yet, when it comes to the homeless, you want to focus on... I mean, there's a tendency to say, I'm going to focus on that, because that defines them. Exactly. But Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's why I, I was putting this big emphasis on the recycling. But as it happened, I, I felt that those guys kind of showed me that the homelessness itself was really, really important, because... The meaning of the work was so important. It wasn't just about making making bucks, you know. It was really about doing something which was less criminalized, which showed that they were competent at something. Like, like we were just um, hearing from Iona, you know. It's just like she loves scrapping. It's dignity. It's work. She knows how to do it. She, she was really bad at it. Now she's really good at it. And and, and she's just like all vital and alive when she's talking about this, even though she's obviously had a horribly hard life, you know. It's like this kind of space of joy for her. Well, I mean, what is your take then on homeless policy in San Francisco and lots Mm -hmm. of places besides San Francisco that seem to be, on the one hand, aimed at simply ridding our view of the unsightly homeless, Mm -hmm. right? And the nuisance and potential threat that poor people represent, poor people on the streets. And on the other hand, seem to want to actually help these people, put them in 
nice shelters or give them, you know, some subsidized housing or something like that. Are th- are they one and the same effort, or are they <laughs> are they two different efforts? Well, in terms of motivations, I think that there's huge variety, and and I think there's a lot of extremely well-meaning and you know wonderful people working in the in the service agencies um, who don't like the clearances particularly. But and the clearances meaning what we've seen here in Dogcat. Yeah, just well, yeah, just um, all, well, yes, what we've seen here to some extent, but the most dramatic manifestations are definitely in the tourist areas, you know, where you, where there's really saturation policing to make sure that tourists and shoppers aren't bothered by street people, you know. Um, and so, I, I mean, I don't, don't want to sound too much like a sociologist here, but I, I think it's really important to get beyond the individual motivation and sort of see how the system's functioning. Um, as a whole and what all of the, the services do is they a make it justifiable to say that you can't live outside right and that's that's been a primary function of the shelters in public discourse from the get-go which just endless that we have the shelter beds so there's no reason for you to be out there um but also what they do is they they basically they make the folks who go through the the shelter systems um especially like these these more kind of service rich programs they make them look at themselves in these kind of shrunken victimized kind of ways they 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 create a whole culture of um you know self investigation and um pathology where the, the collective dimensions of poverty just absolutely disappear. They evaporate, you know. You mean it, it, they somehow narrowly focus on individual responsibility and that's all they mm-hmm. Individual allow? responsibility or individual, you know, victimhood, right? Some, some folks are very moralistic and, you know, like bad choices and individual responsibility and as others are extremely sympathetic. But... No matter how much the services may be absolutely crucial for a bunch of the folks out there, and I think they are, um, as a whole, the, the idea that you're not allowed to stay out in public space and you, you have to go into one of these programs, what it does is, is say that every single person who's out there is out there because of their own uh, inability to be the kind of person who can live inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. So... You know, we've been talking, we've been wandering around Dogpatch and seeing the result of some effort to clear homeless people out of here. In some cases, I would think just to get these, this rabble, you know, off our city streets. Maybe in some cases, through good intentions of finding housing for these folks and, and actually giving them some options. Um, but are you saying that, that either way, the effect is to stigmatize, marginalize the idea of living outside, living in public space, right? I mean, it's to say that that's wrong and there's got to be a solution to it or that's wrong and we need to get rid of you one way or another. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you then suggesting that really people should be allowed to live outdoors in public areas? I do. And, and let, me, let me explain why. I mean, it's not that I think 
it's so wonderful being homeless and it's just a great thing people should be allowed to do. But I, I think if you want the U.S. to look like Finland or some incredibly manicured place where there's no visible signs of poverty, you have to provide the kind of social structure which makes that possible. And here we want to have it both ways. We want, <laughs> we want the U.S. to look like Finland or Sweden or you know, one of the richest and you know, best protected places on earth. Um, and yet we don't, we, we, we don't want to redistribute any wealth downwards. In fact, we, we really are doing the opposite. We're redistributing wealth upwards all the time. And we, we've shifted all of, all of this uh, funding for managing poverty in the US away from what was already a crappy social service system into a horrendous prison complex. And so we have this, this large layer of people who absolutely can't get into housing. We've abandoned the commitment to public housing absolutely and completely, both through public housing projects, which are you know, just disappearing um, endlessly, um, and, but, but also through all the voucher systems, which in, pri in private units and through rent control, right? So all, in all of the measures which used to be taken to try to preserve affordable housing are just, they're either gone or they're absolutely on the way out. So we have all of the conditions for, for a mass homelessness problem, which indeed we have. And then we say, oh, but no, I, but we want this wonderful manicured environment without any signs of poverty. I just think they can't have it both ways. And if, you, if you're going to drive people to the bottom, you have to let them hold on to a little bit of dignity and autonomy and let them do being on the bottom their own way, rather than telling them that, that they're all majorly f***ed up and have to go into these awful institutions. So maybe become a little more like India. Yeah. It's like, I mean, if, if you're going to do Indian social policy, let it be Calcutta, you know? <laughs> <laughs> People on the streets. Mm -hmm. Live with it. And, and of course, like, the social services, I mean, you know, they have to be there. There has to be treatment on demand, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And shelter beds for, for folks who want them, but... My experience really has led me to believe that most people don't want to live in shelters. They just, they just don't like being in institutional control, and that's something that I can really relate to myself. Like, I, it's, it's horrible being treated like a child, you know? Are you saying that, that it's really better to let people live where they want to, be mm -hmm. it a campground, an unofficial campground in a neglected city area, mm -hmm. or their car, or RV on the street, or under a freeway like we just saw mm -hmm. with Maya and Iona, um, for their sake, or simply because it's less hypocritical? I think they've got a right to be there. And, yeah, I think it's less hypocritical. For their own sake, I just think they get to choose. And for me, the most pernicious thing about the incredible uh, recasting of the entire poor population as being addicted in this country is that we get to see people, you know, living in these makeshift accommodations as, you know, by default, they're, they're in denial. And what they need is tough love. You know, these things which are now so common sense that everybody just, you know, believes them without even thinking about it, right? Oh, so, so let's do a homeless clearance and say we're helping these people deal with their problems, which is what Gavin Newsom's so brilliant at, you know? It's like, I, I wasn't surprised when Newsom started talking about his homeless policy in these terms because I'd already seen it in other towns around, you know, because I was following how 
how the uh, public officials were casting homeless clearances in different places. And I, and I realized that there was this sort of therapeutic turn in terms of how do you talk about how you're getting rid of encampments. Mm, mm. But Willie Brown didn't do that. It wasn't mm. part of his, his shtick, you know. And even though he was totally hypocritical about the homelessness issue, I, I respect him for not doing the sick talk thing. Uh, <laughs> That's like the one thing that, uh, you know, I, uh, because when Newsom came along and started doing this bleeding heart, um, I'm saving people from themselves thing, I just wanted to vomit. You know? <laughs> Willie Brown had things like confiscating their shopping carts, right? Yeah, yeah. They're pretty hard, tough measures. Just enabling people. Yeah. Letting them have their ID uh, cards, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hop in the car. You know, we've been talking a lot today about all of the problems inherent in the system as it exists, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, a competitive... Uh, free market system that is going to have some losers no matter what, right? Exactly. Uh, especially with a very small safety net, you know, social welfare system. Mm -hmm. uh, shelter system and uh, what you call the homeless archipelago, right, mm -hmm. of, of agencies and programs that exist for the homeless that does real good for people. It saves lives. It provides some options and sometimes some success stories, transition to, to housing. But also doesn't work for a lot of people. Um, and uh, for a lot of people, they're being forced into it, they can't take it, and they wind up on the streets again, ever more like fugitives or refugees pushed from one place to another by these clearances, as you call them. Mm -hmm. Do you think, though, about actual ideal solutions about the perfect world, uh, or is that just not realistic, you know? Um, or is it not even, um, in a way, should we even think of this as a problem that could be completely solved. I don't think you're ever going to solve the problem of homelessness by what you do with people who are on the street, you know. For a start, you're never going to get at the causes of homelessness because despite what all of this individualizing bull does, you know, it's like you have huge eras of history where there's mass homelessness and then you you know, change the political economy a bit and then it goes away and then it comes back, you know. It's like, it is basically a, a, st a structural problem. So uh, you've, you've got to solve the problem further up, the, you know, earlier in the in the system. You, you've you've got to um, open up affordable housing. I know that's the most obvious thing. It's like, the, you know, the affordable housing of the 70s, say, you know. It's like, it wasn't great. It was... <laughs> <laughs> it was scuzzy as hell. You mean the housing projects? <laughs> the housing projects, the, the the old welfare hotels, which used to be everywhere, right? I mean, you know, they were like the place of last resort for single adults or you know, people who have you know on hard times. Um, but you know, it was it was home. It was it was possible. It was possible to just you know maintain a basic existence without this total degradation. You know. The, the kind of suffering which sends people into insanity and super severe substance abuse, you know, that the, uh, you know, construction of whole layers of people as human refuse that we're getting um, in San Francisco, even in this really liberal city. So, you know, I, I, I do feel that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's much more about these, these larger structural movements, you know, about labor rights, union rights, um, you know, 
using taxation system to to create social safety nets the, the obvious shit that sociologists would always talk about <laughs> but, um, but it does but, sound like when you come down to it as you just said individualizing bullshit that is to say that it's all a result of some individual fault failing choice um, storyline mm -hmm. when in fact you see the numbers go up and down depending on economic circumstances and depending on political uh, regimes, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it is structural. It is the system is ultimately what's forcing some people out of their homes onto the streets. And it may be forcing out the people who are most vulnerable, and and they may be most vulnerable because they have substance abuse problems, or because they're you know like have very poor social skills, or because they have injured their backs. Uh, you know, which is true for a lot of the guys I knew. Right? But you there know. have been times in history or places in the world where bad luck or even mm -hmm. or even really bad choices don't always land you on the street. No, that's right. And in fact, you know, they didn't in, in our lifetimes because we're both old enough to remember when people started panhandling. We'd be like, right? It's just like, whoa, this person is begging. Wow, that's Victorian. That's horrible. Wow, what's going on with this person? You know, the shock. <laughs> and, you know, young folks nowadays, you know, when I... Teaching in college is so weird because like all of these kids have just grown up with uh, homelessness is totally naturalized to them. You know, they are just this weird cast of monsters and trolls, <laughs> you know, that they sort of try to feel sympathetic for and but are really scared by. You know, that's that's just normal. That's America for them. You know, but in terms of you know in terms of the solution stuff, I mean, I can barely bear to talk to policy folks about it because they're never interested in the bigger solutions. And they're just like, yeah, but let's get down to it. I mean, you know, like, you know, should should we should we pull these people in? You know, <laughs> like, and you know, I just feel like, no, you, you're going to create a third world situation. Deal with your shanty town, you know, mm -hmm. just like, basically. So exactly. I don't have that much to say to say to those people, but you know, I, I think it, it's about politics and not about policy for me at this point. I I, I feel that the policy uh, direction of this country is so insanely wrong that I don't have much to say to policy folks and I'm, I'm more interested in engaging with activists and trying to um, remind activists of the dangers of trying to play every convenient narrative about the homeless in order to get the things that you want to get for the homeless. So, you know, going too far along the, the sick talk trail because you know that it'll help um, you know, the judge let your client off of some quality of life offense, etc., etc. I I feel that if we could have you know a, a a really careful kind of decision about how we're going to represent homelessness, um, you know, and and just push back against those requirements, like oh well, what's the person's narrative of redemption or narrative of I absolutely couldn't help it, Your Honor, you know, and say, why does this person have to get 30 tickets for um, sleeping in the doorway of a business um, where the owner has told him he can do it? It's like, why, why do you need to know anything about this person <laughs> apart from that? Teresa, what do you think? Uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about today, what we mm -hmm. did today. Mm-hmm. Or just what it makes you feel after all those years you spent in this scene and how it's changed. Well, I mean, obviously, I feel I feel very sad about the uh, 
disappearance of the dog patch recyclers because I there was some really great things that that happened there, like very genuinely redemptive moments for for a lot of folks. I think when they felt human again, and I think that that space has been closed down largely. But it was really nice meeting um, Iona and Maya and seeing that they had a place down there where they had some security and uh, you know real sense of like their their own possessions their own space and um little community uh, and so that you know that that actually made me feel good i it, it brought back some of the great pleasures of doing this work which is just just seeing how people can make the best of, of these these situations and um you take a woman like Iona, who's, you know, super brave. She's going into all of these abandoned buildings on her own. And, you know, she's carved out this work. She's figured out how to do it. And she's really proud of it. And, you know, to, to me, that's, that's, it's a better way of being human than working in a totally low wage job that you hate, I think, you know. And so it, it warms my heart that people are still able to do that, you know, as homeless San Franciscans. been listening to the 7th Avenue Project. Big thanks this week to Teresa Gowan for going down the dog patch with me. Her book is Hobos, Hustlers, and Backsliders, Homeless in San Francisco. She teaches sociology at the University of Minnesota. And many thanks also to Iona and Maya for their help. I'm Robert Polly. I'll be back next week. Hope you join me then.